How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? We're in this sermon series that we're calling Stan, and we're taking six Sundays to explore the amazing book of Daniel. We're going to gaze in every single chapter. So let's get right to it. Today, we're calling this message today, Stand Up. Everybody say, Stand Up. One, two, three. Stand Up. And we're going to gaze for a few moments in chapter 4 and chapter 6. Chapter 6 is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. We'll get to that in a few moments. But we're going to look now in Daniel chapter 4. Let me just give you a little bit of the context of what's going on here. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, and uh, this guy who reigned for some 43 years, he's in his 50s now, and he's at the top of his game. And when he was just a a young boy, his grandfather was leading the Babylonians, and he somehow single-handedly overcame the Assyrians, and it was just pretty cool. And he later became king and the emperor in Babylon, and he was so about himself. His ego was on steroids. His head was getting big. And he had expanded Babylon. He had built a big city. The, the, he built the, the capital city, Babylon. He even had made a garden for his wife called the Gardens of Babylon, which was known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Loads of money. I mean, he's the big guy, the most important guy. He's the celebrity in Babylon. And his head was getting bigger and bigger. It's kind of interesting. Human beings are the only, there's no animal like this, but humans are the only ones when you give them a pat on the back, their head begins to swell. And uh, so here you got Nebuchadnezzar, and he is all about himself. And he has a dream, and the dream really disturbs him. And Daniel gives the interpretation of the dream and basically says to Nebuchadnezzar, God's not pleased with you. You're making this all about you. And if you don't repent, you don't clothe yourself with humility, you're going to walk through the streets like like an insane man. Your nails are going to grow big. Your hair is going to grow long. And you're going to lose everything. But it doesn't have to be this way, Nebuchadnezzar. You need to repent. So that's the, that's the context. So let me, let me come now. Number one, I want to talk to you in a few moments when God tests you with success. And God is going to test you. Listen to me, friends. God is going to test you in life with success. And if you pass the test of success, he's going to use you in a greater way. But if you don't pass the test of success, he's going to use you less. And you've got to learn to manage success. You're only successful, not because of you, but because of God. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 4. What gets us in trouble? What gets us in trouble when things go to our head? Let me just offer to you just a few thoughts. Number one, we can get complacent and comfortable. Oh, boy. We get so complacent, so comfortable. It's all about us. We're just complacent and comfortable. Look at verse 4. Nebuchadnezzar was at home. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I want you to picture him in his palace looking out over Babylon, looking over the garden that he made, going, I am so good. Look what I've done. I am I'm on the top of my game. He's complacent and he's comfortable. Look at verse 30. Watch this. I want you to notice how he said this. Is this not the great Babylon I have built at the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? How, how many people see the arrogance there? Isn't it obvious? Pride, arrogance, ego. So number one, we get complacent, comfortable. Number two, we don't pay attention to the warning signs. And so when you're in the spotlight, <laughs> you can get blinded by the light. And you, you can think it's all about you. And you got blind spots when you're in the spotlight. And he's in the spotlight. He's got blind spots. And God uses Daniel to point out the blind spots and warn him. But he doesn't listen. 
Look at verse 25. This is what Daniel said to him about his dream. You will be driven away from my people and will live with the wild animals. Not good. You will eat grass like the ox. You're going to eat grass. That's horrible. And be drenched with the dew of heaven. Look at the latter part of verse 25. Seven times will pass for you. Seven times means seven seasons. There's four seasons in a year. Seven seasons will pass by you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and give them to anyone he wishes. Verse 27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. This is Daniel speaking to him. And he basically says to him, renounce your sins. Repent, Nebuchadnezzar. Repent of your pride. Pride's sin. Repent of it. And start doing what is right and your wickedness by being to... Repent of your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Start doing what's right. And it may be that your prosperity will continue. The third thing is, I want to point out, write this in your notes. When you're, you're in trouble, ego has got you. You put off doing what we know is right. Daniel just told them to repent. Daniel just told them, start reaching out to the poor and the needy. And, and Nebuchadnezzar puts it off. Now watch this. Look at verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. The guy waits 12 months to start doing something. That's horrible. You shouldn't delay. You shouldn't procrastinate. You know, I'm going to start procrastinating tomorrow. Think about that for a moment. And he's delaying it. He's putting it off. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And uh, so let's jump down to verse, verse 29 now. Immediately... What had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Jump down to verse 33. Until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a, of a bird. Horrible. He wasn't repenting. The guy waits 12 months. And, and so he's at a low of a low and it's not good. The warning signs were there. He's complacent. He's comfortable. And he procrastinated doing what is right. Let me push pause. Let me ask you a question. Don't lift your hand. But I think you can answer it in your heart. Have you ever messed up in life? Oh, yeah. All of us have. Have you ever done what you shouldn't do? I mean, you really blew it. And the proverbial train went off the tracks and you messed up. And so I want to talk to you for a few moments in the latter part of this first part of the message. I want to give you the steps to recovery. What do you do when you mess up? And let me just say this before we get to the notes. Someone said to me once, when you mess up, fess up, and then dress up. I think that's pretty good advice. When you mess up, fess up, and dress up. But let me give you some points from our text, steps to recovery. Number one, I think this is good advice. Look up. Look up to God. I mean, when you're flat on your back, you're at your lowest of your lowest, you got nowhere else to look, look up to God because God can get you out of your mess. Anybody believe that today? How many people believe God can get, come on, how many people believe God? How many people believe God can get you out of your mess? You gotta repent. You gotta say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up, look up. Look at verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven I raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. I love that. Finally, he looked up to God. Finally, he realized it's not about him. Finally, he repented. And when there's true repentance, there's fruit that follows repentance and arrogance and pride is gone. And you stop deflecting your sin and blame. You start to own it and you repent and you start to drip with humility. It's kind of like when David said, I have sinned. 
A broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. You've got to look up. And then number two, you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up. He had, a, he had a woke moment. And all of a sudden, he awakened. And all of a sudden, he realized, I've got to get my act together. I've got to start doing what is right. So let's read about the latter part of verse 34. Then I, I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. Now, now, before I go to the next part of that verse, don't forget, Nebuchadnezzar's the dude that built the 90-foot-high statue of himself covered in gold, right? It's all about him. But now he goes, I need to glorify and I need to praise God. Let's come down to verse 36. At that same time, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and I became even greater than before. But now it's not about him. Now he had repented. Now humility was starting to clothe him, and now the pride was starting to weaken. Someone said to me, leaking eyes keep the head from swelling. When you got a broken and you got a contrite heart, look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. And all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Do you see a changed man? Come on, isn't it good? Even, even Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king for 43 years, God, if God can get a hold of Nebuchadnezzar, God can get a hold of you and me. Amen. And so we don't want pride. We want to we we walk in humility. Humility attracts, pride repels. Let that thought soak in your spirit. When you're around someone who's marked with pride, you don't want to be around them. But humility draws and attracts and pride repels. So number one, look up. Number two, wake up. Then number three, lastly, speak up. Share your story. Everybody here on site, everyone watching online, when God does a redemptive, restorative work in your life because you messed up, now you fessed up, and now you dressed up, Come alongside others and help those who are walking through the struggle that you've been through. If you've been set free from alcoholism, come alongside someone who's battling alcohol and be their biggest fan for them to find freedom in Jesus' name. If you messed up in adultery and, and there's forgiveness and restoration in your house and in your marriage, hallelujah, come alongside someone who is messed up and help them to experience the same humility and brokenness and restoration and reconciliation. Is there a witness in the house this morning? Come on, come on, give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. You gotta speak up. Let me read verse one and verse two very quickly because, because Daniel chapter four is Nebuchadnezzar's celebrate recovery story. He's in CR <laughs> and he's sharing a story. Now look at verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar. To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. Look at verse 2. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. I love those words. I want you to get in your spirit that Daniel chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar's celebrate recovery story. And he knew that he was messed up. He knew that he was complacent. He knew that he was marked with pride. But now... He's a broken man. Anybody, anybody, is there a witness in the house that God can redeem us and save us and change us and make us more like him? Amen. So there's Daniel chapter four. Let's come to Daniel chapter six now. Standing strong. 
for God publicly. Now, boys and girls, look this way. This is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You know that story. We're going to break it down. So let's talk, first of all, for a few moments, why, why did Daniel keep on getting promoted? So let me push pause, and you got to jump forward now, because Nebuchadnezzar is now dead, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Darius is now the, the emperor, and the Medes and the Persians had now taken over Babylon. So you got to fast forward. The Medes and Persians are now the world empire. And this guy named Darius is the, is the big guy. He's the emperor. And here's Daniel. Now we're going to talk for a few moments about Daniel. But let's talk about why, why did the guy keep getting promoted? Number one, his professional competence. I mean, the guy was gifted. I mean, he had abilities. How do I know that? Verse 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He rose proverbially ahead above everybody else. The guy was marked with gifts, but he didn't use his gifts for himself. He used his gifts for the glory of God. Now look this way. Everybody in the house has an ability, a gifting. Use that ability for the glory of God. Number one, his professional competence. Number two, another C word, his personal character. His character matters. I, I was hoping to get an amen to that. Because character matters. I was hoping to get even a stronger amen than that. Because character matters. Character is who you are when no one else is looking. Character is who you are when you're at home. Character is what only God sees. What only God sees. Now, now I want you to look at verse 4. At this... At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of the government affairs. <coughs> Excuse me. They were trying to find if he, he spent something on himself from his allowances. They tried to see if he took a longer coffee break. They tried to see if he showed up to work late and left early. You know, we're going to find him not being a man of character. And so look at the latter part of verse 4. You see it on the screen. But they were unable to do so. Shocking, because Daniel was a man of character. They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy, and neither corrupt nor negligent. So there's a lot of C words that I look for when we bring pastors on the team. I, I love to see the competence that they have. I like to see the character. I want to see chemistry. They, can, you, can you blend together? But look at number three, his public commitment. This is what I want you to see. Verse 5. His public commitment, verse 5 down to verse 9. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they're going to trick him. They're going to trick Darius, the, the, the emperor. So verse 6, so these administrators, satraps, went as a group to the king and said, hey, King Darius, live forever. They're just kind of to make, make the guy feel good, to build on his ego. Verse 7. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors have all agreed, we've come together and we've agreed, that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, Darius, because it's all about you, your majesty should be thrown into the lion's den. They're tricking him because they're trying to get Daniel. Verse, verse 8. 
Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing. Now in that day, when the emperor made a decree and put it in writing, it could never be altered or changed. It was in stone. It could, he couldn't change his mind. In accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king Darius put the decree in writing. I'm going to take a few moments this morning and talk to you about Daniel's prayer life. And, and the songs that Pastor Brad led us in this morning are so thematic because this is how we fight our battles. How many people know we fight our battles in prayer? I said, how many people know we fight our battles in prayer? You see, the real lion's den wasn't what Daniel was thrown into. The den of warfare was in the place of prayer. The battle belongs to the Lord. I want to very quickly unpack for you nine things that I saw that stand out about Daniel's prayer life from verse 10 and verse 11. If you don't just write these down, pray over them this week. Get it in your spirit. Talk about it in your connect group. Talk about it in your family. Nine characteristics that stand out to me about Daniel's prayer life. Number one, the problem for prayer. Not the problem of prayer, but the problem that led him to prayer. Because often crisis strengthens your prayer life. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he gets on his knees and prays because he knows that he ain't going to stop praying to God. Did you hear me? I'm not going to stop praying to God. You could tell me I'm not. And so the problem drives him to prayer, right? The problem for prayer. Number two, the place of prayer. He went home to his upstairs room. By the way, that's, that's this place of prayer. He always prayed in his upstairs room. Where's your prayer closet? Do you have a place that you go to prayer? You need a place of prayer. You need a place of prayer. Number two, the place of prayer. Then there's number three, the price of prayer. Because prayer is going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. It says where the, where, 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 where the windows opened. And I want to point out to you that Daniel always prayed with his windows open, and that wasn't going to change, even though the decree was made that if anyone prays to another man or God, they'd be thrown in the lion's den. He didn't keep his windows open to make a show. He kept his windows open because that's the way he always did it. So, for example, if someone says you can no longer say the name of Jesus in public, that's not going to stop me from saying the name of Jesus. If someone ever tells me that I can no longer preach the Bible, that's not going to stop me from preaching the Bible. And may it never stop you. Keep the windows proverbially open. Whew, the price. Number four, the passion and prayer. The windows were open towards Jerusalem. Danny came from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, watch this, is in ruins because the Babylonians had destroyed the city. And I promise you, every time he was praying towards Jerusalem, his heart went back to his homeland, and he was broken by the devastation. I mean, there was, there was, there was passion in his prayer. Let there be passion and brokenness. Let prayer never become routine. May prayer be marked with passion. When you call upon the Lord, call upon the Lord with passion. I, I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised in a Sunday evening service that went along and when it ended, they had an after service, and we all went to the lower level of our old church and got on our face before God for another hour. And I heard grandmas and grandpas and my parents and my pastor pleading in the presence of God, passionately and powerful. 
And church, we got to always be in the place of prayer. By the way, we had one powerful prayer meeting last Sunday night. Come on, somebody give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Somebody got healed last Sunday night in prayer. They didn't make it to church Sunday morning because back was horrible shape. Never missed church. Come Sunday night. And when we asked people to pray for people, we prayed. They went home and everything changed. They've been healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Number five, the persistence of prayer three times a day. Keep persisting in prayer. Keep three times a day. This guy prayed every day, three times a day, persistent. Six, the posture of prayer. He got down on his knees. Now, I'm not so concerned about the posture of your physical body as I'm concerned about the posture of your heart. When your heart is postured with humility and brokenness, you'll be praying not your will, but his will be done. Do you hear me, church? Posture your heart, not my will, but your will. Not about me, all about you. May, may the curse of Nebuchadnezzar be broken from us because it's not about you, not about me. It's all about Jesus Christ. Come on, Woodville, put your hands together and give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Number seven, the praise in prayer. Give thanks to his God. Keep Praise him after he does a miracle. That's thanksgiving. Praise him before the miracle. That's faith. We're still, people are asking me, is Evelyn's ear open yet? Is she still deaf in one ear? Yeah, but we're still praising and believing God that we're going to see the miracle that he's already done. We praise him in advance by faith for what he's about to do. And, and we <laughs> praise him with thanksgiving for what he's done. Praise and prayer. Number eight, the pattern of prayer. I love this. Just as he had done before. Nobody going to stop Danny boy from praying. In church, if times get tough in Canada and they try to tell us we can't pray to our God, we can't say the name of Jesus, can I call the church to boldness for Jesus Christ? Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number nine, the purpose of prayer. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying. What was his purpose? He's asking God for help. Take those nine P words, soak them in your spirit. I want to take you to the last part of the message. I want to talk to you for a few moments. Lastly, Five benefits, five benefits to standing strong, standing up for God, standing up in your commitment, unashamed, unashamed. Now, before I read this, I want to read to you, I found this, it's a resolution. It's called, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. And you're going you're gonna to email me and ask me for this. Google it on the internet, you'll find it, all right? The fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future 
is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudity, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I now lean on his presence. I now walk by patience. I'm uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. I'm almost wrapping here. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up till I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I'll know, and work till he comes, <laughs> work till he stops me. And when he comes for his home, he'll have no problem to recognize me. My banner will be clear because I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Okay, Mark, tone it down, tone it down. Five things very quickly. Number one, when you stand up, a victory over fear. Write that in your notes, because fear is a spirit problem. An acrostic of fear, false evidence appearing real. The devil's going to try to put fear over you to not stand up, but when you stand up, it's a victory over fear. Number two, it builds faith and character. When you stand up, when you say, I'm not ashamed, the die has been cast, the lot has been set, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stand unashamed for Jesus Christ. It's going to build faith. It's going to build character. It's going to build boldness. It's going to build courage. Woo! Number three, it gives God an opportunity to do a miracle. And I just want to read to you verse 16 down to verse 23 because God did one pretty cool miracle here as Daniel didn't stop praying, kept the windows open. Let's read it, verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel because Daniel was praying and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. He was feeling bad because he knew that when he'd said the edict was set, he knew that he'd sealed it, he'd spoken it, and he can't change it. I love this. The king on earth can write an edict, and he can't change it because he wrote it. But God in heaven, the king of kings, can change and alter any situation. Whoa. Whoa. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, a big stone. This kind of sounds like a stone over a tomb, doesn't it? When Jesus died, they put him and they, they put a stone over it. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. I mean, I mean, when they put Jesus in the tomb, it was sealed by the Roman emperor. And this was sealed by the signet ring of Darius, the emperor, so no one can tamper with it. And with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I love that. Situation might not be changed. But you put Jesus in the picture. How many people know any situation is subject to change when you put Jesus in the situation? 
Come on. Doctor says you're going to die. It's over. Subject to change when you put Jesus in the picture. Someone says your marriage is over. It's not going to change. Put Jesus in the picture and it's subject to change. Amen. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. You put Jesus in the picture. It's subject to change. Verse 18 and verse 19. Then the king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. He's feeling awful because he got tricked to do this. And he couldn't sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up. He runs to the lion's den. Verse 20. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel. Servant of the living God, has, has, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Can you not, like, I hope I hear something. I probably won't because he spent the night with lions. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. <laughs> he spoke the words that the king had often heard. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. I don't know what your lion is, but God can shut the mouth of the lion in your life because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Woo! They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Look this way, church. You're online. Look, look, look me right in these eyes. Put your trust in Jesus. I don't know what your circumstances say, but it's subject to change when you put Jesus in the picture. Did you hear me? You put Jesus in the picture. Now, number four, we're almost done. When you stand tall for God, encourages other believers to stand up. It's contagious. It's contagious. Joy is contagious. Boldness is contagious. Courage is contagious. But so is fear. Fearful children probably have fearful parents. Just something about how you live gets modeled in your house. Now, I know there's layers to that, and don't send me emails, because I know there's layers, and there's other things that can fit into the bill, but you know what I'm saying. So why don't you and I let faith be contagious in our house? Come on. Let faith be contagious. Number five, and lastly, we're going to close with this, and band, come on up. Come on up. It's a powerful example to unbelievers. When you stand up and God does a miracle and you trust it in the midst of the storm, it's going to be the most powerful testimony to everybody around you. So let me read verse 25 to 28. Then King Darius, <laughs> the guy's so moved by it, he wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. Verse 26, I issue a, a decree. He now writes another decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. I'd, 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 <laughs> this is just coming to me. I think it's Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be powerful if the powers to be on Parliament Hill issued a decree in the nation of Canada that says to Canada, <laughs> you must fear and reverence 
the God of the Bible and lift up the name of Jesus. For he's the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. How many people believe that? He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Look this way, church. God can rescue you from the lion that's trying to destroy your marriage. The lion that's trying to destroy your health. The lion that's trying to cripple you. Trust in God. God can do a miracle today in this place. So Daniel, verse 28, prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Everybody on your feet, youngest to eldest. Father God, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ as we now get ready for communion. Then God, as we pray and believe for signs and wonders in this house, signs and wonders in the homes of everyone who is watching online. This would be a morning like we have not experienced before. I pray breakthrough. I pray breakthrough. But God, before we celebrate communion, I declare that you are the celebrity in this house today. And we lift up your name. So I pray that whatever edict has been signed and sealed over people's lives would be broken, changed by the power of Jesus this morning. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. We're going to worship. I want you to get your communion package ready. We're going to celebrate communion in a few moments with Pastor. Go ahead and lead us. Remembrance. Christ is formed in me. 
And then we're going to extend our hands towards them. We're not going to physically touch them, but we're going to extend our hands towards them. We're going to believe in these final moments that this house would be a house of miracles. Amen. How many of you believe that this house can be a house of miracles today? Amen. So I don't know what's been written on your life today, but it's subject to change because of Jesus. Come on, everybody say his name, Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. How many people know we fight our battles in the place of prayer? Amen. So let's declare this is how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. God, this is how I fight my battles. God's presence. This service is going to close in a few moments, but we're going to we're going to we're going to pray. So just take a seat. You see, when Daniel was in the lion's den, he had fought the battle in prayer before, and because he trusted in God, he was surrounded by God, and no earthly lion was going to harm him because he knew how he fought his battle was in the place of prayer. How many people know that prayer can make the difference? How many people know Jesus? can change our circumstance. Amen. 
So this morning, we're going to do something a little different in our final moments. The altar is going to be right where you are. And if you need a miracle, I want you to stand to your feet right now. You need a miracle of God physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. There's a mountain you're up against. Whatever the miracle is, you need a miracle. And you're believing Jesus is going to give you the miracle today. I want you to get on your feet right now. And I want those of you that are sitting near there, just extend your hand towards them. Although you can't physically touch them, but extend your hands towards someone who is standing near you. Jesus, we speak miracle in this house this morning. I pray everyone, God, that is standing to their feet, main level, up in the balcony, in their home, would receive miracle right now in the mighty, holy name of Jesus. We pray cancer would be gone in the name of the Lord. We pray back pain would be gone in the name of the Lord. We pray tumors would be gone in the name of the Lord. We pray marriage would be restored in the name of the Lord. We pray breakthrough in finances in the name of the Lord. We pray depression would lift in in the name of the Lord. We pray, God, whatever miracle is needed, it would be received this morning. So God, we give you thanks by faith for what you are about to do. We are fighting our battle in the place of prayer, and we declare miracle in this place this morning. So God, I pray this week that my inbox would be filled with testimonies of what you have done in this nine o'clock service this morning. I pray, God, that we would hear all week of the breakthroughs that have happened in this 9 a.m. service. I pray, God, people in their homes right now would receive miracle in the name of the Lord. I pray everyone standing in this auditorium would receive miracle in the name of the Lord because this is how we fight our battle. So God, would you surround each one right now? Lord God, the edict might be determined and it might feel like it's subject not to change, but Jesus, we put you in the picture and it is subject to change. Hallelujah. So Lord, we give you now the glory, the honor, the praise, the thanks. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together. Amen. 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 I want everyone to get on your feet in these final moments. I want to thank you for joining today. It's been great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to thank all of our boys and girls who did awesome this morning. Come on, thank all of our boys and girls. They did great. And boys and girls, in a couple of moments, Pastor Shelley and I will be in the lobby. We got a gift for you. Find us. It's for you. Just show us your sheet. And uh, we want to give you that gift. If you're our guest, can we one more time thank all of our first time guests for joining today? Come on, thank them. And, uh, Drop by the guest lounge. We have a gift for you, our way of saying thank you for coming. You accepted Jesus. Drop by one of the exit tables. We've got a Bible for you. We've got a, a follow booklet for you. And if you've come prepared to give of tithes and offerings this morning, buckets at the back, debit machines in the lobby, thank you, church, for your amazing faithful giving. I hope you saw on the screen, turn your clock spring forward one hour ahead before you go to bed next week so you're not late for church. Make sure you all do that. If you're a member, you should get something in your inbox today. And we're getting ready for our annual meeting. We're excited. So Father, bless each one. Give us a great day, an amazing week. I pray God today's service would just soak in our spirits to God be the glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you, Woodville. Amen.